0: I didn't care. I was already depressed. I just didn't have enough energy to be. It wasn't like a rebellious, like, oh, I'm so angry at God. I'm going to stop being from. It was more like, he loves me anyways. I can't be bothered. Yeah.
1: I'm Tanya, and you are listening to season two of Human and Holy, a podcast where we discuss spiritual ideas in human terms. Today's episode is sponsored by Mushka and Shmely Lipsker in honor of Mushka's sister's wedding, Leah Goldschmidt to Yona Bostomsky. Leah also happens to be a dear friend of mine. Mazel Tov, Leah and Yona. Today's episode is also sponsored in honor of Mushka's mother and sisters who by being uniquely them, teach her so much every day. Thank you, Mushka and Shmali, for making today's episode happen. If you would like to sponsor an episode or become a paying subscriber of the podcast, please visit the link in the show notes, patreon.com slash humanandholy, or email us at humanandholy at gmail.com. In today's episode, I speak to Kayla Goldstein about her journey with her Yiddish guide. Throughout the years, Kayla left her life as a Bisi Yaakov girl, only to find her way back to an active relationship with God through the teachings of Chasidus and a passion for honest questions. I was so invigorated by Kayla's enthusiasm and by the spiritedness with which she engages with God. I hope this episode pushes you to ask more questions about your Judaism, to confront new answers, and then to probe again with deeper questions for deeper answers.
0: I'm Kayla Goldstein. I'm Kayla Haber Goldstein. I live in Muncie and I am married with two kids and an interior designer. And I grew up in Israel. I grew up in the house of a really big grub in Israel. And he's awesome. He's my best friend. And we grew up very from very shivish, very tight. And I kind of always just did things because that's what we're supposed to do. But then a lot of stuff happened. I grew up, I went through life, and I started questioning a lot. And then I started looking for answers. and found a lot of answers that I wasn't taught, that aren't taught to like the typical basiakal girl. And so I wrote my answers down in a book. In very short, I wrote my answers down in a book, and my book is being published.
1: Oh, wow. Okay. So you summed it up very quickly, but I want to slow it down, tease it out a little bit. I want to hear, you mentioned that you grew up in a really yeshivish family in a rev's house. The Rev was your father, grandfather, a relative. Can you tell us my a little father. bit more about your upbringing? So I tell us about how, how you grew up. in
0: Australia. My father is a very big Talmud haham and a huge rubs. He, he's a rubs of a shul in Ramat His name is Rabbi Akil and he traveled around the world and was a rabbi of a lot of communities, kind of like on like, not Chabad Shlichas. And basically, he was living in Australia. I was born. He moved to America. He became a rabbi of shul in Muncie. And we lived here for like eight years. Then we made Aliyah when I was 10 years old. When I was like 15, he became the rabbi of shul in Ramad But for five years, we lived in Yerushalayim and I went to school in Matasarv. My father was very close to Rav Sheinberg, who like was the of Torah he was one of the Gidon. People call him the Sitzis Rabbi. He had like all the sits on him. And he was very close to him. So he was a in Matasarv. So we went to Matasarv to school, which is a very intense it's like there's Masharim and then there's Matasarv. It's like the next one. It's a very intense school. Oh, wow. and it's a very from I guess, for lack, I don't think that they were actually from, but like, you know what I mean? Like, I kind of from, and it was not a great school at all. So I ended up leaving in the middle of eighth grade. And then I went to high school. That was also a really bad high school and ended up leaving in 10th grade and ended up going to Australia to teach. Looking back as an adult, I think it was my parents' way of making sure I don't go off of there. (laughs) <laughs> but they sent okay. me to Australia because the school in Australia needed teachers. So when I was 17 years old, I went to Australia and I taught wow. in a Hasidish school. It was a very fun experience. It was very interesting. And then I came home and I went to college and I just skipped high school. I was just like, screw it. And I went to college and I became an architect and I got married and I moved to America. I was very much going with the status quo. Nothing meant anything to me. I didn't care about Hashem. I didn't care about Yishik. I didn't care so much that I didn't even rebel because I really just didn't care. It was just something I did. Well, it was just like, okay, yeah, we don't look at our phone on Shabbat and we wear a skirt. That's just what we do as a family. Growing right. up, it was always, this is what Habers do. Like Habers don't do that. Like My friends would go to town and my friends would have Shabbatones without adults. And my friends were like, Habers don't do that. Habers don't do that. And I'd be like, okay, yes, we don't do that oh everything is crazy whatever well wow. a lot of it was like jews don't do this but then there was this level of but my friends are doing it friday night my friends would go for walks and i wasn't allowed to go for a walk friday night they would go for a walk and they would end up at my house and then they would hang out at my house because Hebrew girls don't go for walks on friday night not that's not what we do you're a, okay. a heber They just never rebelled it wasn't like i hate this i'm so angry it was just like okay this is what we do i just didn't care it just didn't matter
1: it's so interesting to me how you said you cared so little about God that you didn't even rebel. Like you just did everything you had to do because you just didn't care. And it in a way, matter. rebellion comes from this place of caring Passion. and, and yeah. wanting to understand what's going on. Okay, so, so then happens what happened? Later. So you grow up. Take us to the next step.
0: Okay, so then I started dating. And we were not a great in my family, like my parents, vet who I date and they do all the research great like the whole system and me and my father were right. just not agreeing we were just not agreeing anybody my father liked i didn't like anybody i like my father didn't like and i wasn't going out with anyone i'd been in him for almost a year and i hadn't gone out on a single date because we could not agree wow. on anything so finally i went out for dinner with him which we did we had weekly dinners and i went out for dinner with him and i was like listen I don't want to marry somebody who wears a black hat, who has a white shirt and black pants, like a a Shababnik. Because I was getting set up with Shababniks. So Shababnik in Israel is like a black and white yeshiva bachar who's like not acting like a yeshiva bachar. He's like cool and hip and talks to girls. And I was like, if I'm going to marry a yeshiva guy, I want to marry a yeshiva guy. I wasn't getting set up with good guys. So I told him I want to marry someone modern Orthodox or from YU. and. he was like, what? Why you? <laughs> if you ask my father, he would say, no, I very much respect why you like I love why you you what you does. But it was like, that's what the modern people do. It was for the modern people. It wasn't for us. And I was like, "He daughter. was like, right. He was floored. It took him like three weeks to like, get comfortable with the idea. And then he was like, fine, you could go out with someone from why you, but it has to be from why you smiha and I'm hand picking him the best guy in why you smiha. So my brother was a Rav in Torah Shraga, and the Madrich in Torah Shraga was also a student in Y.U. Smicha. and my brother thought it was funny, so he set us up kind of a little bit as a joke. He was just like, cool, he meets your criteria. He wants to live in Israel. He's from Y.U. Smicha. that's your criteria, right? Okay, cool, go out. It's like the worst sharaq in the world, okay? Nothing makes sense. Nothing on paper between us makes any sense. He's... Turning Hasidish, she grew up modern Orthodox. Turning Hasidish, I'm like not interested in, in religion no. whatsoever. Just like everything about us, it doesn't make sense. But of course, we got married, we had a baby, and we moved to America. And the whole time, I was just doing what I was supposed to do. I wasn't questioning anything. I wasn't doing anything. My husband was Hasidish, and I was just chilling. So we came to America, and I got pregnant really fast. My daughter was ten months old, and I got pregnant. And we lived all alone in Brooklyn. My husband was the rub of a shul. And I was just really scared. And I got the pregnancy was really high risk pregnancy. And I ended up giving birth, like going into an emergency C-section two weeks early. That turned into not a C-section. It turned into a birth, which turned into hemorrhaging. And my machines died. And I clinically wasn't there. I was dying totally just jumped into this but I was I was dying and I knew I was dying and I was totally cool with it because I was like whatever I'm in so much pain by then I was already depressed because the hormones from the pregnancy had given me PPD and it had actually started when I was pregnant I didn't have any energy wow. to fight it I was just like whatever I don't care we were so alone so so alone and we were in such different places my husband was literally the rub of a jewel. And my husband was like, yeah, teach me how to change a diaper first and then you could die. He literally leaned into my ear and instead of being like, I love you, don't leave me, like, which I would have not listened to. (laughs) He's like, you can go, just teach me how to change a diaper. And I was like, fine, I'll die later. And I was falling and I felt myself falling. Like the bed that I was lying on went away and I was falling. And it was almost like there was like this like curtain. And if I just fell through the curtain, God was right there waiting with the most unconditional huge hug total love no judgment there was no judgment day waiting for me and there was no let me weigh your whatever and there was no hell like it was just unconditional love just total goodness and when i woke up i kept trying to go back to that and i had ptsd for a long time i kept actually kept going very numb and being unable to move my body because i kept trying to go back to that feeling of just unconditional love because I woke up to hell, to hell on earth. I was sick for six months. My kid wouldn't stop crying. Like my husband, I had to like go be a remnant of a shul in the middle of it. It was really bad. And that's when I started questioning because this whole idea of like, I need to wear a skirt or I'm going to go to hell is wrong because it's not true. I got there and it wasn't like that. And this isn't true. And that's when I stopped being religious. It's like the most ridiculous reason to stop being religious. I was like, screw it. He's going to love me anyways. I didn't care. I was already depressed. I just didn't have enough energy. to be. It wasn't like a rebellious, like, oh, I'm so angry at God. I'm going to stop being from. It was more like, he loves me anyways. I can't be bothered. If I don't watch TV on Shabbos, I'm going to commit suicide. Like, I can't be alone with my thoughts for that long. I just was like, I don't care. I'm not being religious anymore. So I wasn't keeping Shabbos. I wasn't keeping kosher. I wasn't keeping anything. And my husband was the rub of a shul. And I I had like two babies under the age of two. It was a crazy Absurd. It was absurd. Wow. Absurd is a good way to describe it.
1: (laughs) What's so interesting to me is that you were totally okay coasting for your entire life. But then suddenly you come to this situation where life became so challenging. As life gets more challenging, staying connected to God or even just like doing what he asks of us can become more challenging. So if you don't want it, then why would I not watch TV on Shabbos if I'm struggling with depression? Right.
2: Right.
0: So the whole thing like, it, that it's I always not, say is that like, if you enough. don't have a strong yeah. foundation, when things get difficult, you just leave. It's totally fine until you have a challenge and then you're like, eh, I don't need this. What do I need this for? Right. You need to have that. To wait until people have a crisis and then give them chizak, that doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. not a good idea. <laughs> you need to give it to them before. We need to teach these. So then what happened was is that my, my husband's Rob came for dinner. And he was fundraising in America and he came for dinner and my husband kind of just like blurted the whole thing out to him because at this point no one knew. We were living totally alone. So nobody knew what was going on.
1: Can I ask you a question, Kayla? Sure. I'm just wondering, were you outwardly religious, or just inwardly not? It was something that no one could see?
0: It's very interesting because me and my husband have a concept called the red lines, which is basically that we each have our red lines and then we find like a middle ground. So we had all these like red lines that we didn't cross on each other's red lines. So for example, I couldn't be alone and not watch TV on Chavez. He didn't want the children to see me not keeping Chavez, specifically my daughter. Because she was older. So he's like, If as long as you don't do it in front of her, as long as she doesn't see me Michal Chavez, that's fine. So for example, okay. not covering my hair, wearing pants, wearing short sleeves, he was like that's fine, just not where people in the show are gonna see you and he was like, okay. and if you could just keep it from my family, I don't want my family to know, which wasn't hard. His family lived across the world in Israel. Like, okay, I didn't post any pictures right. of me in pants. But when I went right. to the beach with the kids or when I would go like whatever, it didn't care enough to like whatever. And when we went on vacation, the fly, I didn't keep anything because then we really didn't know anyone. But it was more just like we okay. had like these red lines. So I covered my hair in shawl, and I didn't cover my hair besides for that. And that was that. It was fine. Like I always say this, if you have respect for each other, you actually, actually the respect, not like the buzzword respect, like you actually have respect for the person that you're dealing with. You think that they are a good person, deserving and worthy of love and attention, and you're not going to cross their lines and you're not going to do anything that makes them feel uncomfortable because you think that they are valid. So as long as we both had respect for each other, it wasn't an issue at all. For me, it was an issue. For him, it was an issue.
1: So you were able to really respect his red lines. Was it challenging for him just to be on such a different page than you, Jewishly? He's rabbi of a shul, really spiritually connected. And you're just like, I don't care about any of this.
0: He's so spiritual. It's crazy. No, but it wasn't it's so funny because people always assume that it would have been harder for him. He, the whole entire time from the get-go, was like, the only thing that was hard for him was that I was depressed. He was like, I want you to be happy. That was hard for him. The whole religion thing didn't matter to him. And it mattered to me. It wasn't there. I was just like, I don't want to be married. I'm 23 years old. I don't want this life. Like, I want to go back to Israel. I just wanted to go back home. And he didn't want to. He couldn't go back to Israel. And that was where our marriage had a hard time, where I was like, you are making me stay in this country. That's going to kill me. Because I associated America with just all the terrible stuff because everything terrible happened when I moved here. Yeah. So that was where we had friction. But religious-wise, like it really wasn't a big deal. He always says, "Like my religion is not based on other people's religion. I'm religious because I want to be religious because mm-hmm. of my relationship with Hashem." It has <laughs> nothing to do with you. You don't be religious. I don't care. It has nothing to do with him. He did, Even, He really is like wow. Yeah, he's really cool. <laughs> Even his own wife raising his children. She raising the children. Every problem that came up, we sat down and we found our red lines and we talked about it and we found a, me- a middle ground that we agreed on. Like it was, it was work. It took a lot of Figuring it out, and we would like draw maps on a paper like we, we really did it, but it was respectful, wow. and it was with love, so it, it wasn't hard in that way it wasn't negative it was a nice
1: thing it probably is that what kept you what and I'd love for you to
0: say, it, pro- it probably is what kept me willing to even think about coming back and willing to stay in the marriage and willing to not throw my whole life away because he was so accepting and loving, and he was just like, whatever you need, whatever you need like I just want you to be happy it's a very mm-hmm. Unique and rare thing to find, which is why I wrote my book (laughs) because I was like, most girls do not have their father and their husband just completely supporting them through just throwing everything away and coming back a different way. I'm not like my father at all religiously, and he completely and totally supports me and he's proud of me. And most girls don't have that. The reason I opened my Instagram was because I wanted to share that safe space that I had with other people that don't have that safe space in their lives and can come into my page and have that safe space to just question and ask and learn. So what
1: happened? Then your husband's rub comes to visit. He comes to your house and your husband sort of opens his heart to his teacher and tells him what's going on. So what happened then?
0: It's really funny because I don't know if he even remembers because it was so natural for the rub to just say it. But he looked at me and he was like, why aren't you religious? And I was like, oh, it's too complicated. Like I have too many questions. I'm not getting into it. Like I, I was not in a place. And he, okay. he said, "Well, we we ask questions to find answers, not to find excuses." I was so mad. I was so mad because I was like, "Now I have to find answers." Then no response that's to like, him. I was like, "I I have to." We <laughs> have no excuses anymore.
2: She's <laughs> like, "So well, looking, that's a great line."
0: Yeah, it's a great line, which is why my book is called "Questioning the Answers."
1: So now you start asking questions. Right.
0: find answers and what happens i was shut down beyond and completely shut down you're coming from a place of pain you're attacking you don't understand you're missing context the times were different then. this is why women don't learn torah i was shut down and it was very frustrating for me And one day, I think it was like two months later, I called my father. I don't know till today why it took me 23 years to call my father, but I called my father. And I have these questions. I'm asking because I want to know the answer. I am not asking to be chespedic. I am asking because I need to know the answer. Do you have the answers or not? And he was like, sure. I didn't even know what to do because he was just like, of course, I'm here. Ask away. What do you want to know? So we started doing like a weekly date almost. And it kind of morphed into just me calling him whenever I was having like some kind of crisis. And I started asking questions just naturally. Just started asking questions. Just how do I know that there's a creator? And who is this creator? And how do we know the creator? And does the creator know me? And does the creator care about me? And does he love me? And why do I need to cover my knees? And what's Shabbos? And how do I know that the Torah wasn't written by Moshe Rabbeinu? Any question that came up, and the questions led to more questions, which led to answers, which led to more questions. And he wouldn't answer me, he would give me the source to look it up, and then I would mm. learn with my husband. My husband taught me how to learn, he sat the way that the guys do in yeshiva. He taught me how to learn like a guy, and it's so amazing. The answers were so incredible. I was like, How did I not know? I grew up in a basic system, I'm an FFB. How do I not know the most basic fundamentals of Judaism? Like, I went to school. I was there. How do I not know this? And I was just like, I was all it. I was like, if I was a baltruva, I would know all of this. Mm-hmm. They get the education. They go to those to the schools in Sydney and like whatever, and they get that education. And like, we don't get it. You're born expected to know, expected to like, you believe, born believing, and you're not. You're human. And I was on a mission to get myself answers. And it was totally me, selfish me. I did not share it with anyone. I thought I was completely alone. I didn't think anybody else had these questions. I thought that every right. single person is from because it's very, very meaningful to them. And I was very, very wrong. And <laughs> <laughs> totally not. And I started taking on one thing at a time. Like, as it was meaningful, as it meant something to me, I took it on, but I took it on in a way that I connected and in a way that meant something to me. So I looked very different than I did growing up. And I look very different. I mean, now, at this point, I probably look the same as my family, but like, it's a, just a very different Ashkafa. Like, I'm way more at Breslav and the Baal Shem Tov, and I just really connected to Hasidus. So I feel like that's going to bring Mashiach. I, I mm. don't, I love Hasidus so much, <laughs> like all of it, any Hasidus, and I didn't, I'm not Hasidus, so I can learn from everyone and get all of it. <laughs> so and that's what I did, and then I got my answers, and I took notes of everything. Because that's how I learned, that's how I remember, and one day my niece came to me, and she found my notes. They were on my kitchen counter, and she saw my notes, and she started reading them, and she showed them to a few of her friends. I think she was fifteen at the time, or sixteen and she was like, "You need to publish a book. You need to put these out. You need to share this. This is so good." And I was like, "Oh right. anyway." Who am I? <laughs> I was like, no, you know, you guys got like up until now, I was the girl who was different and not really from, and even if it was just in my head. Right. I was the outcast. I'm not going to write a book. Right. But it took a long time. But eventually I was like, okay. And I sent the notes to my father, and he was like, yeah, you got to publish this. You got to do this. So we turned it into a book.
2: Wow. And
0: an Instagram page. It's funny because you would think that there's a continuation to the story because that was three years ago or two years ago. But it never ends. You never finish asking questions. And like at a certain mm. point, I had to just close the book and say, okay, go publish it. But I have so much more since then that I learned that I don't think I'm going to ever finish. Like I don't think that my Instagram page is one day going to just run out of questions. Like, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. I think we're going to always be in this state of questioning and growing. And I'm a very different person than I was then.
1: That's the beauty of asking questions to really find answers. If you're asking from that place, then there's so much to learn within Tyra. There's so much guidance to find. Our life circumstances change and we have new questions and we find new answers. I would love to know what it was about Chassidus. You mentioned that you grew up, Beis Yaakov. What was it about Chassidus that you saw that you didn't have before?
0: Okay, so this is going to be say, really funny because usually people say Hasidus they say like, you know, the Bab Jerebi or Nachman or whatever. You know, like this Lannar Yes. So he okay. says that David HaMalach calls himself a chassid in Tehillim. Hashem ki Hasidani. Ani ki Hasidani. And he says, it doesn't make sense because in other places in Tehillim, he calls himself full of sin and terrible person. Like He, he says horrible things about himself. And Flana Murabi says, being Hasidish is not about what your actions are today. Being Hasidish is about what your desire is and where you want to be, your goal. Like a Hasid is somebody who aspires and wants to be something else and is working towards that goal and isn't stuck in today and right now and how long is my start. But in more just like the broader picture and the heart and the soul of I'm trying, I'm getting there, I'm working on it. And that really, really, really just spoke to me because for a long time I was feeling very like, who am I? Like, okay, great. So I'm keeping Javas, but I wear pants. So like, whatever. I'm probably just not even like it was all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And right. Asidas kind of gave me that place that I was able to grow. Like I was able to grow because I was allowed to because I didn't have to be perfect
2: from the get go. Mm-hmm.
0: It wasn't like, Oh, you're violating Allah. You're going to hell. It was like, no, you're working on yourself. Mm-hmm. That's great. <laughs> I'm really proud of you yeah keep going it's just a Beautiful. whole different mindset i very much connect to it i don't understand how anyone connects to the other one but i'm very respectful i understand there's <laughs> so many different types of Jews and everybody can do this thing i just for me chasidas was like the way to go
2: the Lubavitch
1: Rebbe says a chasid is a mahalich which is very similar the idea that a chasid is someone who is constantly moving right. constantly growing constantly taking stock when you're working from really internal place and your heart is really directed towards Hashem and you're being honest about where you're holding and you're consciously doing your best every day, then you're a chassad. It's not about a certain image that you can present to the world. It's really about constantly showing up to be in a relationship with Hashem every day the best you can.
0: Yeah. It's not about your image at all. And it's very funny because like, it's also not about like when you ask questions and people answer you like, oh, you're missing the context." people get shut down when they ask questions and that's not how It's like, Oh, well your externals don't match. So like, I can't even answer you. Cause like, you're obviously asking from a place of mm-hmm. pain. Like, okay. So I'm asking from a place of pain. Who cares? I still deserve an answer. Why does that make me not get an answer? If it's so like black and white and boxy of just like, you have to be sitting in a basement just learning gemara to get this answer. You can't get it anywhere else. Then you can't grow. No, you're not given that opportunity to grow and you need to have that opportunity. Every single Jewish person needs to grow. Every single person in the world needs to grow. Like, we're not here just to like hang out, have fun. It's <laughs> not we were born. Yeah.
1: yeah, and like the sincerity of a soul is not something that can be measured by an outside uh gaze. It's something nobody, that only you nobody. can answer. Yeah.
0: Nobody. My son just asked me yesterday, he said, Why doesn't my Mara keep a scale in the classroom? And I was like, Why would your Mara keep a scale in the classroom? And he's like, because then she would be able to put everybody's averos and mitzvahs and we would all know who is the biggest tzaddik. Interesting. So I was like, well, only Hashem knows. Maura doesn't know. And he was like, really? And I was like, yeah, only Hashem knows who's a tzaddik. There's so many mitzvahs that you do that nobody even knows about. that You just, only you know. We don't know how big each mitzvah is. It was just so interesting. Like he was like, well, why don't we all know? Like, why isn't it right on our foreheads? I was <laughs> like, we don't know. But it was right. just profound for me like, to realize it was just like to repeat that to myself. Like we really don't know where other people are holding and we really shouldn't bother ourselves thinking about it. We should just worry about ourselves spiritually.
1: Totally. And also even just the way that we measure our relationship with God doesn't have to be on a scale, but more on like the extent of the connection. I think that's something that when you mentioned about constantly being able to grow and being encouraged to grow from wherever you're Holding the distinction there is that it's not about how many deeds you've done in the past or how many things you did today. It's just like, am I connected? Am I trying to connect right now? Where I'm holding, am I trying to connect and deepen my connection with God? Right. And then moving from that space.
0: So, in order to do that, you really need to figure out if you want a connection to Hashem, which is why, like, I always say, like, go back to the basics, like, peel it, go under, go under, because otherwise, like, you're going to learn all these things. And then when it's hard, you're going to drop it. So like mm. keep keep going. I'm teaching now in a high school, and they asked me to come in and teach about tefillah. And I was like, I could, but I'd rather not. Like I'd rather teach about Hashem because what's the point in tefillah if you don't know who you're davening to? And if like the second you are uninspired from the class, you're just not going to continue davening because like who cares? But if you learn about Hashem, like you really decide that you want a relationship with Hashem, and you have a good reason and a good push to keep going and having a relationship with Hashem. Then that downing is just going to come naturally. It's not, you, know, you don't have to learn about it. I <laughs> like we could learn about it, but you don't have to.
1: I love that. Kayla, that's so beautiful because you're right that the foundation of all of this is do I want to be in a relationship with the Shem? And then everything naturally is going to flow from there. Obviously, you're still going to have to seek and you're still going to have to ask questions and find answers. And but if you're coming from that one. place of like, I want a relationship, right. That is also sort of like what kept you and your husband together, despite the religious differences, was that there was a relationship and a desire to be in that relationship.
0: Exactly. Exactly. Somebody asked my husband once, why, why he, did he ever consider divorce? And he was like, no, divorce wasn't an option, which is why we figured it out. That wasn't something we were willing to do. We thought about it. I mean, he, well, he didn't think about it. I thought about it. I was like, would this be better? Would you be better off without me? would the kids be better off with that and like, i thought about it and he was like no <laughs> it's not an option you're not doing wow. that like do whatever you want you can go stop being a, do whatever you want you're not leaving you're like i'm not wow. okay with that that's what like me like okay we'll figure this out we'll make it work because not being together was worse than anything else so we'll figure it out
2: mm. it's
0: very crazy And I'm it's- very lucky
2: <laughs> i know yeah it's it's so
1: beautiful I think also it like really parallels your relationship with Hashem, which is that for you, it stopped being an option for you to not be with Hashem. So you might be angrily asking, and maybe even from a place of pain, but you were suddenly like, "Okay, I need to have a relationship, no matter what the relationship looks like."
0: I have this relationship with Him because He's my Creator. The same way my kids have a relationship with me, whether they like it or not, I'm their mother. Mm. They are connected to me. I'm connected yeah. to Him. I can either tap into that connection and live a better life and be happier and healthier. Or I can shut down a huge part of me and try and survive, which just seemed like a stupid option. I was like, why would I do that?
2: Was why would there, I cut off my arm. Right.
1: Was there any correlation between your emotional well-being and your journey with God?
0: My therapist is a Chabad woman. She's a, an amazing So a lot of my therapy was like entwined with it. When I was feeling like I have mesophonia. I suffer from misophonia. So misophonia is anxiety when people make certain sounds. Certain sounds trigger panic attacks. I've had it since I'm like four years old. Okay. And I was trying to explain to her, like I was trying to deal with it. And she was saying that I was feeling like the noises were going inside of me and they were taking over the whole inside of me and they were attacking mm. me from the inside. And she said, Let's try and connect to an external source that we can bring in, like who's your guardian angel? maybe somebody who passed away that you can reach out to like maybe some kind of like spiritual force or some kind of something energy that you can tap into and bring in and that can wash away she was trying to like guide me into like having something and for me it was like Hashem I have a piece of Hashem inside of me that piece of Hashem is there even if all these noises come in and take over right so if I can focus on that piece of Hashem and let it like shine that light pushes away all of the darkness and that light pushes away all of the attacks that I'm getting from the sound. And if I take a deep breath and I focus on it, I imagine the light just like going through my body and the sounds leave my body, right? And the anxiety and the panic attacks and everything leave my body because I'm full already of Hashem. So there's no room mm. for you to come in and attack me. Even just that little thing, And I don't know if she meant for me to pick Hashem. She was just trying to do a meditation with me. But the whole thing is very entwined and intertwined together of I'm healing through connecting to Hashem and through understanding that Hashem's here for me.
1: I love how you said that godly light that you would just allow to like fill your body fully so that nothing else could come inside. I once heard someone ask, mm-hmm. is it a problem if I reach for godliness, for Torah, for spirituality as a way of healing emotional traumas or being able to like deal with anxiety, depression, And the teacher said something so beautiful. He said, when you're looking for answers outside of yourself, it's an issue and you're bypassing the problem. But if God is within you and you're finding the healing and the answers within you, within godliness within you, then that's the most whole form of emotional healing is that you're really internalizing the godly reality of your life. And then that's where the anxiety. Inside of you, if
0: you're doing it in a way that's space. external, then it then it doesn't work. And spirituality can be external. Like if you don't do it right, it is external mm, for sure. And if you do that, then it is an issue. And a lot of people do do that. A lot of people deal with their stuff by like just shutting it down. Like I have a friend, Huppy, who's she just like she goes on Instagram sometimes, and she was saying that when this whole thing happened in Woodmere, she said if you're just saying. Everything Hashem does is for a reason, and you're just like not even upset about it because you're like everything Hashem does is for a reason. Everything Hashem does is for a reason. Like you're shutting down your emotions. You're supposed to feel. You feel sad and you feel horrible, but you don't try to understand it. We don't try to understand it. She was like, you're shutting down your emotions, and you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to feel. Feeling basically by saying, "Oh, I trust in Hashem, so everything's fine," and like you're not dealing with your emotions, and even like a lot of abuse comes from a place of this is what Shem wants you to do, do it, and then beating mm. up children because they're not doing it. Like I had a really right. terrible experience in school growing up, like very terrible, physically abusive, emotionally abusive, verbally abusive, and it was all in the name of wow. God. It was all in the name of Hashem. That's not healthy. That's not called dealing with your emotions with spirituality. That's just called using spirituality as an external way to do stuff. But. If you're really like focusing on that little piece of you inside of you, then it's it's a part of you. It's inside of you.
1: It's It's really beautiful. As you said in the beginning, asking questions to find answers can happen when you're on the same team as God. I think often when educators are using God as an excuse to impose their own beliefs or emotions onto young people there is very much like the god versus you god versus your natural Mm -hmm. desire god versus what you want out of life versus god is on your team he wants you to live the most beautiful happy wholesome life healthy spiritually fulfilled like ask him what he wants from you ask him how you can show up and when you're operating
0: he's not like a scary man in the sky he's inside of you We had a live with my husband. I should say one more thing. We had a live with my husband Mm. on faith. We had a live on faith and somebody said, faith is emotional, it's not logical. So you're not gonna ever prove to me that I should have faith. Like, why are we even talking about this? And he said, faith is not logical and it's not emotional. It's just inside of you. There's a piece inside of you and either you can access it or you cannot, that's faith. It's there, it's a piece of you inside of you. you can go into it and you can tap into it or you could not. That's here, but it's definitely not an external man in the sky who's going to like day of judgment at the end. It's inside of you. He's a part of you. What about your team? Like you are a piece of him. You are an extension of him. Mm -hmm. You are him. You are his creation. You can't separate it. People have died. Doesn't
2: work. That's me. (laughs) Kayla, this is something recent that I
1: heard you speak about. You were Speaking about how sometimes we exclude ourselves from Yiddish guide in areas where no one else is excluding us, but we sort women of personally exclude ourselves, yes, yeah, so I wonder if you could share any ways where you currently are actively including yourself in your Yiddish guide actively making space for Hashem in your life regardless of what your community is doing regardless of what is expected of you but actually choosing to actively engage and show up
0: so one of the things that I've been doing is when I get dressed in the morning I don't just get dressed quickly before I have to get my kids to school I put my kids clothes out and I send them to their rooms and then I go and get dressed and I get dressed with like very much intention of this is very recent like I did it like here and there but now recently I do it every day Of just like I am a Jewish woman. How am I going to dress today? I'm getting dressed like a royal person getting dressed to go out into the world. Like, I am a Jewish woman. I'm representing Hashem. Like, I'm an ambassador. And I'm royal. Mm. And I know that, like, Mestiago girls have this, like, don't call me a princess. But whatever. I am a princess. And I'm going to go out there. And I'm going to dress accordingly. And I'm going to be intentional about it. And I'm going to be confident. And then when I go through my day and I feel confident because I'm dressed in a way that makes me feel confident and makes me feel connected, I'm going through my day with this mindset of everything I'm doing, I'm doing because Hashem put me in this world to do it. And I'm doing it because it fills me up. And I'm doing it because it makes me a better person. I'm doing it because it makes me happy. I'm doing it because it's self-care, because I have to take care of myself. I don't go to shul every Shabbos because I don't always want to go to shul. But if I want to go to shul, I go to shul. And I go into Shul, and I have him, and it's fine. And I tell my husband that I'm there, and we both keep an eye on the kids, and we share it, and that's fine. And like, there's different things that I do. Like, I get to light Shabbos candles. So I'm going to stand by my Shabbos candles, and I'm going to take full advantage of the fact that I get to light Shabbos mm-hmm. candles. I'm going to light with intention, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to stand there. And I have this insane connection to Hashem when I'm lighting, right? Like the gates are opening. That's the moment that the gates are opening, for to see more of spirituality in the world. And I'm standing there at the gate and I
1: can talk to Hashem. I love that example that you gave of getting dressed really intentionally in the morning. I think so often the reason why we fail to find our relationship with God in certain areas of our life is simply for lack of paying attention. When you begin to pay attention, you do it slowly, you do it thoughtfully. I really think that Hasidus in a way is pushing us just to pay attention to the Inherent connection in every single moment that we can have when we do the mitzvahs. You could go through your entire life just doing it because this is what we do, and Mm -hmm. there's no reason not to. And I don't have any push to watch television on Shabbos, so I won't. But then, as you said, it's not strong enough to really withstand the trials of life. But if we're showing up from that really personal, engaged, thoughtful, intentional space, then nothing can sway our relationship because it's a connection, and we're committed.
0: My Instagram bio says, let's be consciously religious. Just be mm. conscious of what you're doing. Just be aware. Pay attention. And it's beautiful. It's a beautiful religion. And it's absolutely beautiful. Just pay attention. That's all. Just pay attention. <laughs> it's like, There's no other better way to say it. Just pay attention to what you're doing.
1: So, Can you end off with any advice for people who are struggling to live consciously or struggling to really engage with Hashem in an intentional way? What advice do you have for deepening that? attention on god
0: i always say zoom out so you can zoom in if there's something that's causing you so much stress that you can't connect to it because it's just the idea of doing it is stressing you out let's say it's really hard for you to wear skirts you zoom out and you kind of find a reason for why you we wear skirts and you figure out exactly what does a skirt mean and exactly how long and how short and how tight and, 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 and how whatever and you find a way that you can connect to wearing skirts Stop worrying so much about like the wig that's hurting your head, and zoom out into why do we cover our hair? with a different way that I can cover my hair that means something to me and that's meaningful to me and that I connect to? Find the why of what we're doing. Do one thing at a time, and you'll get there. You'll just be so happy. You'll be so calm inside. This is coming from a person who suffered anxiety her entire life. You'll be calm inside. <laughs>
2: wow.
1: Wow. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much.
2: Thank you for sharing your story.
1: Have you asked questions? Do you trust that the answers would be there if you did? Judaism lived without intention, cannot withstand the trials of life. Sometimes we coast through our Yiddishkeit because we wonder deep down if the things we believe in would withstand our questions and then in holding back our questions we never discover if they would truth does not crumble the torah was built on dialogue god welcomes your questions and the process of finding the answers ask honestly Trust that the answers will be there. They will. Even if you cannot find them right away. Still, enter the classroom and ask them. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. As always, you can find me on Instagram at Human and Holy or via email at human and holy at gmail.com new episodes of the podcast come out every single sunday morning if you don't want to miss a single episode then hit the subscribe button if you enjoyed today's episode and could take a quick second to leave a rating or review it means a lot to me and it helps other people find the podcast thank you so much for listening and i hope you have a wonderful day